Not Sagittarian Matters, a haunted hotel, boundaries with your family, sex, masturbation, love, and more. With my guests, Dr. Katie Spencer and friend to the show, Morgan. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters, Sagittarian Matters, what's the From Portland, Oregon, where I am staying at the most haunted hotel in Portland, Oregon, the White Eagle Lodge. Um, I somehow booked myself here looking at the great savings, and I didn't realize that it was one of the most haunted places in Oregon until a friend of the show, Morgan, told me. I'm not sure how I have lived here for 19 years, on and off, and had my studio down the street for the past 10 years without realizing that this building housed the most haunted place. But, you know, I don't go to bars in my own city, nor do I go to hotels in my own city, apparently. So now I'm here. There's an open mic night going on downstairs, so you'll hear people having a great time in the background. And I'm here to say welcome to the show. I do want to say this hotel was built in 1905, and at some point in its history, its nickname was the Bucket of Blood Saloon. I'm sorry, let me say that again. The Bucket of Blood Saloon is where I am staying. Um, I am hoping for the best, though some psychics have visited it, and according to the book Ghost Stories of Oregon, they said there was a sensation of violence and death in the basement, some playful and mischievous energy on the main floor, and a deep well of sadness on the second floor. I'm staying on the second floor. Be that as it may, I'm feeling great, and I'm excited to tell you about the show before the open mic noise happens again. Today we have friend of the show Morgan talking about boundaries, and we have Dr. Katie Spencer, a sexpert from Minneapolis, to answer your questions sent to me on Instagram all about sex, masturbation, and we have a super special drop-in guest, fellow Sagittarian Becky, talking to us about what to do when your sex is too wet for your current sheet situation. So sit back, relax, enjoy the show. And if anything creepy happens to me in this hotel room, I will definitely tell you on a future episode, should I be graced with life to live that long? Enjoy the show. Hi, Nicole. My question for you is about boundaries and family. Um, my dad is a person who is challenging at best. He has said really dismissive and hurtful things and then will have no memory of saying or doing hurtful things. And that's happened throughout my life. And recently, I decided to have boundaries with him where I realized that speaking to him or connecting with him no longer felt good to me. So I would keep our conversations to a minimum maybe a one or two time a month check-in where I asked him how he was, how his cats were, and how his weather experience had been. Most recently, he said that his biggest regret in life was having a child or having children. And subsequently, I decided that I no longer wanted to reach out to him because it was so hurtful. Now, it's been about uh, three months since we've had any contact, and... I am feeling guilty for setting this extreme boundary and disconnecting in such a way. 
I feel better not including him in my life, but I feel terrible for excluding him from my life. What should I do? Thank you. That is a very good question. Morgan, I'm so glad you're here. We may each have different angles on the same question. Wonderful. A wealth of perspectives for you. Uh, so this listener. person's feeling guilty about what they call excluding their father from their life after years and years of pretty unsatisfactory parent parenthood. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I have some thoughts about this. And again, always take my thoughts with as many grains of salt as you desire. But um, I think that it's great to do what serves you best. Like you don't do anyone any favors by not taking care of yourself. So, you know, the converse is then you do do people favors by taking care of yourself. So it's uncomfortable sometimes to set those boundaries. But um, I think you have a lifetime of information under your belt. Um, And if this kind of like obligation or this like obligatory relationship isn't serving you, then it's okay to set up a boundary about it. And it might be uncomfortable. Um, I also think that like you don't have to announce the boundary to the person you're doing it, which it sounds like you haven't. Um, Like, hey, I'm setting a boundary right now, so you're not going to be hearing from me. Like you can just write them or call them as much as you feel like you want to. It's up to you how much you want to engage. Like every relationship is you know, uh, a co-created. So as one of the co-creators, you can create it in a way that feels best for you. And maybe you just want to send emails. Maybe calling feels like too much. Um, maybe you just send, uh, every like a quarterly check-in or not at all. And if they want to reach out to you, you can choose to respond or not, or, you know, whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. But the guilt doesn't feel useful here. No, it's, I mean, it is what it is because all feelings are valid. They just show up when they do. And, but you don't need to listen to it. It's not going to offer you great guidance. Um, you know, when you check in with your deepest self, um, it sounds like what you are wanting and needing is to have less engagement with your dad. And the guilt is maybe like history or, you know, outside forces working to get you back in old patterns. Yeah. Or also just society being like, this is what a dad is. This is how you're supposed to treat a dad. But that's not based on the dad that you necessarily have. Um, I have a, I, I agree with everything Morgan said, and I have a different angle I I have a a different angle for you to consider, which you do not have to take. Take what you like and leave the rest. Oh, lovely. Um, You know, there's a saying, don't go to the hardware store for milk, right? (laughs) And so your your dad, so that would be like you going to your dad for parental love Mm -hmm. or esteem Mm -hmm. or whatever nurturing that you needed as a child and a person growing up that you were not getting. Like, it's like you, so it's like, okay. You're going to, you know, like the moment when your dad is able to hurt your feelings by not acting like a parent is the moment when you're like, oh, 
I actually wanted milk right then. Like, mm-hmm. I just wanted mm-hmm. the thing that this person has have. So the hardware store, I heard someone say recently, the hardware store doesn't have milk. <laughs> However, they have a lot of different kinds of nails. They have a million, billion, trillion different <laughs> kinds of nails and things that are useful but are not milk. So are there other things? Is there anything mm. about your dad that he does have to give you, that he does have to offer, that this. that is in his coffer or his you know quiver or whatever his store is there anything on his shelves that can that that can be something that you can actually enjoy or find useful that is not parental love you know nourishment care you know healing your most vulnerable self it's none of those things but that's something else that he is trying to give you in his own weird fucked up way Mm -hmm. that answer maybe no Mm -hmm. the answer but if the answer is yes i feel like I, you know, and, and you were doing such a great job just calling him, asking about his cats, but it still felt like that maybe was you trudging through the feeling of obligation. Mm-hmm. So is there a way that you can be like, there is something about this person that I can get from their hardware store that does not feel like a horrible obligation? And it's like one of the like most wonderful things about being an adult or being older is that you then get to decide how you engage with him, you know, like, um, how often, in what way, are you guys kind of just like acquaintances that know each other and does that feel okay or does it feel too heavy to do that? Are you like, "Mm, actually, this feels like it is draining my well rather than replenishing my well, you know, or are you just like at a kind of a stasis? So you are now your own free agent adult that gets to consider all of those questions and make the decision that that serves you best and and suits suits your highest good yes yes to you nicole yes to you you have a short amount of time on earth all of us do all of us do and also you know speaking from experience with people that i have decided to be in less contact with typically like without an explosive breakup you know like with your dad or whatever you know you can often kind of revisit later if you want to leave that door casually cracked or casually open um, where you're like, I just am not able to do this right now. It doesn't, everything does not have to be forever. Mm. So yeah, like, uh, you know, with my dad, there were times when I was in less contact with him and then there were times when I was in more contact with him and then there was times when I was in really, you know, very close contact with him because it was the way things had to be, um, you know, because of health reasons. And those things can all exist and there is enough flexibility in this universe and within all of us as our own universes to do all of that and more. So. Well said. Hey, thank you. Morgan, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, Nicole, for just being on this earth and being a beautiful universe unto yourself. Oh my God. Oh, I have to tell you one more thing. Tell me. I was on the plane, Southwest Airlines. (laughs) I did my open seating trick, which is I had a window seat. I put the middle seat down with a bunch of shit all over it. The person came, sat on the aisle seat. He put his tray down. So we looked really busy, too busy to let anyone sit there. Nobody sat there. He gave me a drink ticket, and I said, oh, my God, thank you. I thought basically he was giving me a drink. You're welcome, Nicole. Yeah, thanks. I thought he was giving me a drink ticket to be like, look, we both are pulling this off. Stay strong. Don't make eye contact with anybody (laughs) looking for a seat. And then... Uh, about midway, two thirds through the flight, he handed me something. What was it? Well, it was after our drinks came. Nicole, this is for you. I made it for you. He turned his Southwest Airlines napkin into a rose. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. So now I'm married. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. She said yes. 
I said, oh my God, so pretty. And then I just went right back to looking at my book and I didn't make <laughs> eye contact to the rest of the flight. And then when you got off the plane, you were like, goodbye, Mr. Nicole Georges. <laughs> he went, enchanté. <laughs> no, we just ignored each other. Then when he went to get off the flight and I was very grateful for that. I was like, oh no, now I've, because I was wondering if the drink ticket came with strings. I wondered if it meant I had to talk to him, like when a guy buys you a drink at a bar. And you're like, did this person just rent my time for 10 minutes? I can't tell. Mm. But, um, no, I just was able to read my marriage. No big deal. Just marriage. It was a chill, chill business deal. It's chill. It's chill. Mm -hmm. So, uh, congratulations, Nicole. Thank you. Dr. Katie Spencer is a PhD and a licensed psychologist. She is co-director of the National Center for Gender Spectrum Health, director of advocacy, and coordinator of the Adult Transgender Health Services Program at the University of Minnesota Program for Health and Sexuality. Dr. Spencer joined me to answer your questions harvested from Instagram about sex, love, and masturbation. Now please enjoy my talk with Dr. Katie Spencer. Dear Sagittarian Matters, <laughs> I'm coming out of a seven-year relationship that wasn't very sexy. For a couple years, I've had a big crush on someone who lives on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast. We've been text friends and we've confessed to crushes, but didn't expect anything to happen. However, I told her about my breakup a month after I'd moved out, and kabam! It's exploded into a sexy text slash phone flirtation fest. So fun. Now we're talking about visiting each other, so here's the question. What do we do if we meet up and we basically just want to high-five each other? <laughs> There's so much tension and excitement, but I don't know if we actually have chemistry. Also, a weekend together is a very intense first date, especially for my tender, introverted self. She and I have talked about this, and we're both pretty grown up about it. Since you're a woman of the world, I would love to hear your insights on long-distance crushes. Well, do you want to answer that woman of the world? <laughs> woman of the world. I mean, you already know this person. I, th I mean, I think the most important things are um, if you already know them, you already know that you're not repulsed by their smell, which is really important. And uh, Wait, we don't know if they've met in person, though. What does it say? I've had a big crush on someone who lives on the East Coast. Okay, well, I mean, I say worst case scenario. internet friends. Ugh. <laughs> worst case scenario. Either way, it's a good practice in you being brave and vulnerable and trying to work to move towards something fun and romantic worst case scenario you meet up their breath or smell natural smell coming out of their body does not jive with yours in like a biological way like like you are like can it, they send each other like an item of clothing to smell <laughs> like some underwear or like a, a retainer <laughs> but um so worst case scenario, you show up, you, there's something naturally about your bodies that's repellent to each other, but I'm thinking you've probably met in person and so that's not the case. And I think if you just try to chill out a little bit and remember all the fun, sexy talk you had, this is going to be really fun. I have some practical recommendations. Okay, okay. Um, one would be, it says phone and text. I wonder if you've like Skyped or something like that. So I would video chat, um, or FaceTime or whatever. Um, cause I think that could be helpful to get a sense of like, you know, the person just, you know, a 3d 
experience with a person. Um, my other practical thing, I think what you're saying about a long weekend, that is a ton of pressure and expectation. And that can bring up anxiety or make people feel weird or act weird for a whole host of like totally rational reasons. And so I would be planful about not staying with them or mm-hmm. not staying in the same place. So like get a Strong hotel. Agree. Or stay with a friend or something like that. Like, have some space where you can... And don't plan to spend the whole weekend together either. Um, So, I definitely... You know, I feel like I've known people who have done this, and then it's like they get there the first time. You know, some people are slow to warm up. It's like their attachment style. So, like, being physically in the same place, it just can be overstimulating. So, maybe plan on, like, arriving, kind of getting settled, and, like, meeting for dinner, meeting for a drink or something like that. Um... I, I mean, another piece of advice would be, um, I, yeah, maybe doing it without alcohol or other substances. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of when people are going on dates or, like, getting to meet people of not having that influence on there so that you can kind of – and give yourself time after an exposure to process because – we don't process all of our information like in the moment. Like sometimes we need to like step back and see how we really feel and then reconnect to someone. So anyway, this is all a lot, but yeah, stay in your own place. Make sure you have some time and space to like go for a walk or think about stuff on your own. And like, you know, don't put all the pressure on this one meeting. Cause I definitely have known people too, who've like met someone, like it can happen over multiple exposures. Like maybe you meet and you're like, Oh, this was weird. But then like they come to visit some other time or you're in the same place and then it goes really well. So try not to have this be like, um, you know, what's that called? The hometown, the fantasy suite on the bachelor. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, you need a lot. You need like some paragliding, you need some horseback riding, yeah. you need some miniature <laughs> golf, you need some yeah. touch football yeah. before you get to the fantasy suite. And, and I when mean, it comes to, Oh, I was going to say, and when it comes to sex, like don't be, don't plan on having sex. Like just let it be sort of organic, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe if you see each other, like maybe let yourself like make out and then the next day, like separate and come back and then maybe you have sex but I think to be explicit about not having the expectation that you're going to have sex even if you've been sexy texting or sexy phoning sexy video videoing like I think that can just feel like a lot of pressure and anxiety is um uh shuts down desire it's just you you know relaxation allows you to feel your arousal better so you want to like let yourself acclimate and feel more relaxed I think that's really good. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Michelle Lemoyne, Mary Pinson, Jill Soloway, Christy Harrod, Catherine Tice, Art Dogs, and Rachel Ann Jolie. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, including producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $10, $5 million, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet, like the insect, leg, like its appendage, at gmail. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, too. Don't be scared. That's just Ponyo's voice. What's your next favorite question? Um, 
Oh, well, I think we need our other special guest maybe to answer this question. All right, I'm going to pause. Okay. Wait, who, who? Best friend. <laughs> a fellow Sagittarian, Becky, has walked into the room as a special expert on this particular question. Hi, Becky. Hello. <laughs> okay, so is there a sexier way to prevent giant wet spots on the sheets than a pile of towels? I really want to say that this has been something I've been navigating for years now. <laughs> and I really appreciate the question. I also appreciate the lack of resources available. And so I'm really happy that I've been invited into the room to answer. Right. There isn't a light Google in my sex therapy training. I haven't been taught how to answer this question, but you have an answer. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. So I will say that if you get a an absorbent enough mattress pad, it can really be helpful. I really recommend the Nautica mattress pad. Sounds sounds aquatic. Sounds perfect. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very it's very on theme, on brand. Um, and then I would also say that the Liberator brand has some really great um, resources with their. I think they're called Slick Sheets. Um, they also had like an under the bed restraint sheet um, mm. that could be used as well, and it's basically just PVC. And so then you you know, have a great time, and then you can wipe it up with towels. You're still going to have to incorporate towels into into the you know the whole experience um but you won't use as many towels and i don't recommend the liberator blanket or at least i don't recommend it um in the version that was around maybe about five years ago because that's when i tried it and realized that it was not absorbent enough ah um question the pvc kind of sheet thing you have it underneath your normal sheet does it feel like you're slipping and sliding around on your bed in between it doesn't, I wouldn't say crinkle, but like you definitely want to put a sheet over it. Otherwise you will kind of slip and slide. Yeah. <laughs> or you'll get kind of stuck to it if it's hot enough in oh. your room. But do you have it on your bed when you're not having sex? No. Just in anticipation of spontaneous sex? Oh, I mean, I have done that. Right now I'm in a long-term relationship, so I don't feel like... So odd, like getting it out or anything. Yeah. But I definitely did um, on some dates have it already on the bed, like ready to go. I like that very yeah, much. Yeah. Thank you, Becky, fellow Sagittarius. Anything I can do for the community. <laughs> <laughs> we really appreciate you. Dear Katie, do you have any tips for getting back into the groove after your partner had top surgery? Thanks. From Quizzical in Quebec. Hmm... Um, well, my first question was like, what groove are you getting back into? I mean, I think after top surgery, I mean, this isn't explicit. So I'm imagining either like a double mastectomy or breast augmentation. Um, both of those are referred to as top surgery. Um, so, but you know, surgery, um, on the top part of your body, there's limitations on like how much you can lift, um, how much you can sort of stretch the area. So you're maybe sort of like physically, um, restrained in some way. And you have to kind of like take it easy after surgery. Um, I think mutual masturbation is a great way to like, you know, it's a, can be a, um, low exertion physical activity, <laughs> but also very sexy. And I feel like sometimes some couples do this a lot or different sexual partners do this a lot, but, um, some don't. And I think it's a great way to just like bond and be close. Just sister side by side. <laughs> yeah. 
I also am a big fan of people eroticizing. If one person is really horny and wants to get off and the other person isn't as like feeling it as physically, like just participating in masturbation. So your partner can sort of support your masturbation or like you can make out or like physically stimulate the person who's masturbating or, you know, so it's like a, a low investment way to like keep it sexy. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And then I would also say like some things. So if like physically, if you're still healing, you know, being creative about like sexual positions or things that might be lower exertion. So I'm imagining like in my mind, I'm imagining like someone straddling the partner who's had um, surgery so that they can keep sort of their top part of their body like stable. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, you can do stuff with the bottom half of your body. (laughs) Um, But, you know, like I think also having some, again, communication is also important communication about like sort of you know after when people are healing um and also like emotionally i think sometimes having top surgery sometimes that like increases people's desire and arousal because they're feeling more congruent and better in their body and other times you know it brings up a another set of emotional feelings so communicating about like how people are feeling about being sexual and then just talking about like ways that would feel best so communication is very sexy If you have an advice question for Sagittarian Matters, call or text our advice hotline, 971-361-9998. Leave a message. We might answer your question on the air, and we promise not to answer the phone. That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank. Dr. Katie Spencer, what is your feeling about the Hitachi magic wand? (laughs) Well, I have to um, self-disclose that I have a Hitachi Magic Wand tattoo on my thigh. (laughs) And I literally, I mean, I have four to six pieces of Hitachi Magic Wand art in my office and in my home. Um, Because it's such an emblematic, like, symbol of, like, masturbation and, you know. Um, It has been my lover. Yeah, it has been your lover. I personally feel that the Hitachi Magic Wand doesn't have enough of a range of stimulation, like the settings, right? There's like extra and like super extra. (laughs) Um, And then I feel like sometimes it can, because the vibrations are so intense, it doesn't allow for a larger spectrum of arousal and stimulation. It kind of like bypasses the buildup and kind of just takes you right over the edge. Yeah. Yeah. Which some people enjoy, but I think, um, because efficient. Yeah. (laughs) It's very efficient. (laughs) Um, but I think I'm a big fan of like come flexibility. Mm. Mm -hmm. So a typical thing is that like people, even just like if we masturbated, like as kids, like if people hold on to like kind of their childhood masturbation habits or we, um, find like our one way to come and we kind of gravitate towards that and we want to do that. I mean, it makes sense, right? Um, but I think that it's important to have multiple pathways to an orgasm um, or to sexual excitement, arousal, and pleasure. So I encourage people to practice different ways. So you can have your go-to, but I think you should have some backups too. <laughs> oh, and then how would you recommend somebody who's uh, maybe on the wand, <laughs> how, do they, how do they wean themselves off the wand and try to strengthen the other neural pathways to pleasure? 
Well, something that I'll suggest to clients a lot is um, like setting, you can even, you can totally set a timer, but like five, 10, 15 minutes, whatever seems like a reasonable amount of time, um, get some lube, um, just, and using your hand, just explore your genitals, explore your sexy parts. Um, And you know, during that time, your goal is not to have an orgasm, but it's just to kind of enjoy the sensation and pay attention to what feels good and what kind of builds arousal. So if you have an orgasm in that like five to 10 minutes, that's great. If you don't, then after your timer goes off or, you know, your time is up, you then can use your go-to method. But so you're kind of like scaffolding (laughs) into different arousal and i think because the hitachi magic wand is such an immediate like you know bypasses kind of the buildup of arousal like when doing that sensual exploration you're like figuring out like other sensate parts of yourself that like can increase and build that arousal so you're practicing something different you can use other things too like if you like watch porn or read erotica or listen to things like whatever you can use that too you just want to practice different things to try to do that and over time then you'll have more of that like come flexibility I feel that you're doing great service to the community right mm-hmm. now. And I'm a bit a big fan of like <laughs> using your hand and like touching your genitals just to explore and mixing up like different um ways of touching yourself, like different types of strokes, different sensations. Um yeah. So have like a curious mind as you move towards it. And sometimes I mean I I know and you can always still have your like 3 minute like jerk off so you have an orgasm so you can fall asleep that's totally fine i don't want to begrudge anyone that (laughs) i also want to recommend uh pairing down to a lesser vibrator we know the hitachi magic wand is the cadillac but maybe try like a pinto maybe just like get down to something that has a lower frequency that maybe doesn't need as much horsepower so that then you're closer to human yeah i well there's a lot of great i would yeah encourage people to experiment um i have a wand that just has like a wider range of settings and still rechargeable um you know we'll see you plug it in and everything yeah because they have wands that you can like unplug now anyway um or there's like you know what the satisfier (laughs) i do want to tell you i went i can't remember if i said this on the podcast before but I went to Europe with the Hitachi magic wand and I had heard tale of like, don't, don't bring the plug into the wall one to Europe because it, one friend of the show brought one to Europe and it, she plugged it in she turned it on and a black line went up the wall <gasps> and all the, all the lights went out and I was like, well, that won't happen to me. I don't know why. I don't know why. Magical thinking. And I plugged it in and I went to use it and all the power went out in the room no. and I had to call the front desk and tell them that I'm like a dumb American using a hairdryer. And that my hairdryer shorted out the room, but it was my Hitachi magic wand. <laughs> it was like a nice hotel. I had like a, you know, an adapter, whatever. And I was like, eh. And the Hitachi you magic might, wand is just a lot of power. Yeah. I mean, you might want to have like a travel vibrator that then you don't have to worry about like universal adapters or anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> practical. Being practical. <laughs> These are great questions. I love when people ask questions about sex. I feel like sometimes people get a little shy to ask things or feel like their questions are, you know, nobody else feels this way or I don't know, fear judgment about things. Um, 
But so one question was uh, sex with a disability. Oh, and lesbian sex toy recommendations. Um, well, let's see. I mean, both of these are a, a little vague um, because, I mean, I would say sex with a disability. I mean, exactly what kind of different ability status are we talking about? I mean, there could be like physical adaptations that people need. There could be sort of cognitive or emotional things that could be going on for people. So I would have different recommendations based on those different things. Yeah. Um, I will say I did just a light Google, mm-hmm. or, and I think I just used that, sex with disabilities. Um, and there were a few, m- many more entries than there used to be. There's a book called, uh, what is it, The Ultimate Guide to Sex and Disability. Um, and I can't remember the author off the top of my head, but it's very useful and very helpful. Um, and I would recommend, you know, maybe any of those sites if people wanted to do some exploration. But also, it can be helpful um, just even going into your local sex toy shop mm-hmm. and maybe asking if they have any sort of things. Like there's a company that makes, um, I think it's called Liberator, and they make like different foam. I'm making a, <laughs> a shape with my hand right now that can help with like making different sex positions more comfortable. Um, oh, I think I had said this before too. Like sometimes just like physically being aware of your body and like kind of how you want to use your body during sex that you might want to take some ibuprofen because you might have some soreness or, um, doing some light stretching beforehand. Those can all be helpful physical things. And then the number one thing, and this is true for a lot of different sexual situations is just communication. Mm -hmm. So talking with your partner about, sort of what feels comfortable, what are adaptations that you might want to make, like maybe being planful. Sometimes people think being planful about sex is not sexy, but guess what? <laughs> it can make the sex that you're having um, even more hot and sexy and more enjoyable and more comfortable. And so I would recommend all those things. Excellent. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.